John wanting to go deep. And he's got him! Jamison Williams eating up the yardage again. 81-yard reception. Here's a big hole. Look out, he is gone! Travion Henderson. And hand of Reese Hall. Reese Hall! Welcome to Burning the Red Shirt. I'm your host, Zach Tao, and here we've got Chris and Andrew, but I want to get to the topics that we're going to cover first. We're going to cover the EA Sports hypothetical video game cover athlete, first of all. Second of all, we want to talk DFS, mainly these two guys. And lastly, we'll round it up with a surprise thing that we've come up with um, that you'll have to watch the whole episode to get to. But first, how are you guys doing tonight? You're gonna make them wait all the way till the yeah. end for the absolutely. Screen. I didn't think we were those types, but I guess we yeah. are. We <laughs> started. It took us what four episodes to sell out, but we have now just gotten one viewer, so nobody saw any of that. Okay. So, so they'll have to wait till the end. But I want to get to a tweet that I sent out earlier from the podcast's Twitter account, and yes, I am the one who mans the podcast Twitter account um, about. The if, if EA Sports or any college football game, for that matter, a video game was released, who would be the cover athlete? Who would you choose to be the cover athlete? And some of the responses that we got were, I think I got uh, Bijan, uh, Bryce Young, obviously. I got a Nick Saban as, as one of the... Could you imagine um, buying the game and it's Nick Saban on the front? With the I Coke mean, bottle? They'd sell a lot of them, especially in the state of Alabama. I tried to I tried to rip you initially with a tweet, and I I, I, know. I, I wrote I meant to write falling, and I wrote following, so I had to delete it. And then I asked, I meant to to call you out for engagement farming, but I wrote content farming instead. Well, so. I, I thought it was quite funny when you said it, um, but it was it's the truth. I was just getting engagement. That well, it, it worked. I mean, it was honest. Bobby Bowden. That was another one I got. Another response I got. Um, if, I mean, this is an interesting question because old days or the only days, it was always like the guy or a the guy who graduated the year before. So, like in my graduated. head, right. I'm thinking like Jamison Williams type. You know, like that's Stetson, though, right? I, just, I, I got a stats. I got a Stetson. Um, it's hard response. to say no to Stetson. My burner. <laughs> it might be. Um, it was BT Cannon underscore 13 said Stetson yeah. Bennett. I'll um, log in later. Uh, <laughs> Jackson Smith and Jigba got him. Ed O'Bannon was the first response I got. I respect that. And I said, you know what? That's pretty clever. I'll. Yeah. I'll give you that one. You just do uh, mascots. Yeah, could do mascots, but I actually I got another one. So this was one of the more interesting um, tweets responses. Is Travis Hunter just to raise awareness and highlight a new paradigm in college football? Top-rated rookie or prospect, I guess, selects HBCU over Blue Bloods, showing that heart still exists in NCAA football in spite of the vast new NIL money. Why not Dion? That was Jackson. That guy took money, right? Like, 
I, look, I, I'm just I mean, I, like the, response. I think it's a great selection. I think a lot of what he said makes sense and is a good representation of like what you would want a cover guy to be. Right. Except for the money part. I mean, like, I think <laughs> the cool part is that he spurred Florida State, where he was always supposed to go to then go to Jackson State, which is like, you know, obviously lots of tradition as a historical black college and not like the big name. But yeah, he definitely took right. money. So yeah. So, and the, oh, I guess the other one that I guess it jumped out to me, I, Brees Hall. I got a couple of those. Deuce Vaughn and Brees Hall. Brees Hall would be a good one if it was like the old school way. I like, right. uh, and I like, I like Deuce Vaughn as like a, but like, will they put a Kansas, Kansas State guy on the front? That's the thing. Like, we sit there like, oh yeah, we love Deuce Vaughn. But most of the casual people that are buying the game probably wouldn't even know who that guy is. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. And you can't really accurately portray his badassness as a 5-5 running back on a video right. game cover. Right. Um, it's like Dree Archer. Remember him? Yeah. <laughs> um, the only, I'll say one more that jumped out at me. Arch Manning. He's not even in college. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, so that one was pretty funny. But if you guys could pick one, who would you pick? I think I'd go the old version, which is just do like a Jamison, like a Brees Hall. Yeah. See, that's the kind of the, Malik Willis actually it might be right. one way. We've been conditioned to say, okay, the guy who graduated, the guy who's going pro is the guy we pick. But yeah. now all of these guys are eligible to be on it, technically. Yeah. Andrew? So. Stetson or Nicobe, one or the other. Georgia. It's hard to go against that. By the way, by the way, Kobe Dean is from Horn Lake, Mississippi, which is right down the road from me. Yeah. Dude, yeah. get beers. <laughs> like, it's funny because I had no idea that's where he was from. And then I was watching one of the Georgia games and it pops up and it said, you know, where their hometown is. And I said, Horn Lake. Like, that's When you're literally- from the deep south, like, so I have this idea that England is every block that you walk down is a different soccer stadium. In the deep south where you are, is it kind of like – there, every street, there's like a, a four star gr- who grew up on that street. <laughs> Pretty much that and yeah. the Walgreens, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's about it. Like, um, it's like Memphis in general. Like, I know basketball is obviously big in Memphis, but it's like football talent is just everywhere around here. So the SEC comes through Memphis, I'm pretty sure, pretty hard. That's sweet. So. All right, so you said Jameson, and then you said Nicobe Dean. Who else did you say? Stetson. Oh, well. Georgia guys. Well, well then I'm going to take Cobbs. I mean, I, yeah, I can take Cobbs. Yeah. <laughs> I meant Shakir, but I'll take Cobbs. Um, but I, I think that would be a cool uh, Boise cover. But Did Boise uh, – did Zabransky get the cover or Callen get the cover back in the day? Zabransky did. It was the righty, Boise, right? Yeah, they they put yeah. Zabransky on the cover after they beat Oklahoma, and they yeah. put the the play into the game, the hook and lateral play in the game. That was Since like the that, year they had those plays that you could redo, right? Yeah, and those, they like, called it circus, and like it was the exact same play, and it rarely see, worked. Did you see the Jets ran it like five times this year? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, like pretty successfully, but it was like it was usually like third and nineteen. They'd run it, and it would it would get get enough misdirection to get like 15 yards because it's the jets of course like but uh 
it, it was it, it was executed pretty well. Hey, you know what? It's a beautiful play when it run when it's done right. Mm-hmm. It feels um, like it works like it should work, right? Like you just have a guy trailing kind of behind it, but the risk of a fumble is just way too high to mess with it. Like, yeah. Like I, I, so. I know, I remember we ran a play similar, but it was like, it was more of a screen pass and then you pitched it to the back coming out of the backfield. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Um, That's fun too. But I, I, we did, I remember doing a flag football play in intramural, my like first freshman year of college. We had a similar play, but my, you know, psychotic uh, mind came up with the same play, except you ran an option after the pitch. <laughs> like you had like two guys that were trailing. You pitched it to the first guy and then he pitched it again or he took it. Well, it was, flag football is like all about pitching. Like, yeah. at, like it's all hook and ladders, right? Like, oh, yeah, pretty like much. teams are all hook and laddering everything or yeah. pitching and throwing cross field it's and stuff like that. Fast, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was. Um, you got a lot of responses. I did. My content farming worked. The double retweet. Right. Yeah, right. One one response per one follower. Right. Retweet. So actually, it's a good time to say, if you're not following the BTR podcast Twitter account, it's at BTR underscore pod. So make sure you guys follow that. And also subscribe to the YouTube channel. I, I, we've never really promoted the YouTube channel. We're organic. Right. But if, in order for us to grow, we have to have subscribers, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so subscribe, follow the Twitter account, follow all of our individual Twitter accounts, um, which you probably do if you're watching this and listening to us. Um, so I guess now we'll just move on quickly to the, um, I honestly don't even remember what the second topic was. Andrew, what was it? Well, it's DFS. Oh, yeah, that's right. The DFS. And this is kind of where I take a backseat and let these guys, you know, go back and forth with their DFS talk. Because I, I am in the state of Mississippi. I cannot play college football DFS. Yeah, you're the rare Memphis, Mississippi, which yeah, I'm like five years into knowing you to realize. How long How long is the drive if you wanted to go and register? to? Can, well, can, can you play in Tennessee? I'm pretty sure you can. I can bet yeah. in Tennessee on my phone, but I can't bet in Mississippi. I have to go to the casino that's like 30 minutes away to yeah. bet. But I'm like five minutes from the state line, so it's not that crazy for me to go. But it's yeah, just go to McDonald's or Starbucks. I mean, just <laughs> it's very inconvenient though. There some lineups in there, and like once you're at once you're at home, you can't like oh, I'm gonna make another lineup. <sighs> All right, gotta go to gotta go to Lowe's. I'll be back. It's like, the, like, it's like the perfect self exclude, you know, like right. when you're just degenerating yeah. and you're you've lost the main slate and <laughs> you're just like, okay, well now I have to hammer the but afternoon it, slate. It's just registering, Zach. So you have to go into Tennessee to register, and then you can edit everything from back yeah. home. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had to do yeah. that with Alabama because I'd always go to Auburn for the home games, and I the first time I forgot, and I was like, well, shit, this sucks. And then every other time after, I would just make sure to enter all the stuff like of Friday course. morning and then drive Friday after. But now it's legal, so you don't have to worry about it. I can degen all the way. But yeah. So I guess whatever you guys want to discuss with DFS. I'll, I'll get it started. Favorite slate. I know we wanted to talk about it, but you got the showdown. You got main. You well, got let's, small let's, slate. Let's take a step back first. So when you, 
I feel like you and I play extremely differently in the sense that you have, which is funny because like I, I'm generally like pretty data driven in the fact, just given the fact that I work in a marketing analytics type role, like I'm super close to data all day. I have to talk this language to all these people that have, like I have to talk, dumb it down, talk it up. I need to be able to do everything with data all day. And then when it comes to DFS, I'm like, I'm not super interested in doing the whole data game playing spreadsheeting everything um but you right like that you i i try and i try and grill you for your opinions on stuff and you just cop out and say whatever the spreadsheets tell me <laughs> and stuff like that whatever it tells me man yeah, yeah I, I max enter i play the 20 entry the 150 mini max i don't do the 150 like what is that like the 10 or 12 or 15 or whatever the dollar that's way too much but i probably i mean i probably play like a thousand twelve hundred bucks on a saturday which for some people is a lot for me like three years ago that's a lot i would have never imagined doing that but yeah i'm very much like use projections throw on an optimizer and then it's you know like the non-data driven part is just like do i really want 60 percent isaiah spiller like that's where it becomes more like of a not data related worse like in, a some, in some ways that must be liberating right because you remove so much of the personal attachment so much of the stress like yeah like obviously you do a lot of upfront work to get everything prepped and stuff like that and any anyone who's playing cfb dfs needs to be on the edge of their seat their fingers uh attached to their phones and monitoring all news and stuff like that but you like if you had like in terms of having a per a personal investment in your decisions like you remove some i assume you remove some of that personal calculation and that like so my approach is i just i just pick the players i like more or less like i used to be super into i had i had a whole process where every single week before before salaries came out i would guess the salaries i would map back the, my guesses to what actually happened and i would look for differences and that would um and that would inform kind of what I was on, what I was not. And I will allow that to kind of drive me towards how I built my lines and stuff like that. But if that was, I didn't like, I, I think I've been thinking more and more like about fantasy sports in general and specifically DFS. Like at what point does it become a job? Because like, okay, I like I'm profitable regularly, both in a season long and DFS uh, construct, but what like when does profit just become revenue and then thinking about it in terms of like in terms of like how much revenue per hour am i actually generating what is this doing for the for the effect on my quality of life and stuff like that and like that i i don't know i don't know how i'm gonna approach it this upcoming year last year i removed myself a lot from dfs until bull, until until bull season and then i jumped back in Every single, I, I should have played more in reality. All, all I was doing was max centering like $1 and doing some messing around with qualities and stuff. I should have played more because every single player I liked popped off in bull season, which mean, means I did well because my approach is pretty much just pick my favorite players. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that is my obviously super counter to your approach when it comes to DFS. Yeah, it's just not possible to do it that way with that. I mean, like technically... I was building like 300 lineups, mm -hmm. maybe let's say 230 or something, right? Because like there's different ways to think about it. And I've been under the Galen tutelage, who is GSD4 on Twitter and on the on DraftKings. But like basically there's the thought process of like when you have all these lineups you're making, 
or these entries you have, you know, do you, and there's 80 of them, let's say, do you do four sets of 20? Do you do two sets of 40? Or do you do 80 unique? You know, so you have, that's how I typically did it, right? Because I had the quarter, the 10 cents, the dollar, the $4, all of them are 20, uh, 20 entries. So then I then have the 150 mini max. So it's like, do I build 230? Do I do 150 unique for the mini max? And then how do I do the 80? And Glenn is always the guy that's like, well, I'd rather win something than nothing. So I'll build 230. But it is just such a mental, it's a, it sucks to win the 25 cent lot, you know, one. And if you played it in the $4, you would have won 10 times right. as much. Yeah. Uh, which is funny. That's how like he won a tournament because he did the same thing. And it was like his 112th lineup with Bo Nix one on like 25k or something right like so it's funny how it all works but it you know it's you try to make it as unbiased as possible you can't be biased when uh you have 230 but yeah there's a lot of i the think about how i played it year, like two years ago compared to now is crazy to think that i ever played it two years ago between you know randomizing and you know just all the different range of outcomes and like spreading and diversifying and stuff like that. It's, um, it's not as easy as people think when you get, okay, well, you're making 300 lineups. Like, of course you're going to win something. And like, to an extent, I think there is some validity in it, but like, if you're wrong, like one time we had a lot of Ohio state rushing attack and had none of the Ohio state passing attack. Yeah. It was the, it was the Michigan state game. Like we got crushed. Like there was no way we were going to win because <laughs> we had it the other way around. Right, we were on the low owned side of things, which is awesome. And then it just was like we could turn off the TV by one o'clock. So, yeah. so I don't have much to add. I just wanted to kind of direct this to Chris. You put out a tweet earlier today about um, saying that we were talking DFS, blah blah blah, and you got some responses. Are there any of them that you'd like to address? Well, I think the best one is the is Alfred from C two C had mentioned like how to handle like a late scratch or like whether I think, I think there's two ways to attack. It would be like before, like before the slate starts. So like at 1155 compared to mid slate before the three thirty game or something like that. I think that's a good question. Andrew. So Dealing with late scratches, how would how would you? Yeah, I, I picked up the question. I'm trying, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to formulate my thoughts. I mean, the one of my favorite, well, not favorite. You probably still remember this because you profited a lot from. I think you took down a tournament from it, and I did not. The like it was. I think it was like two years ago. Jerkovic got scratched right before, and I I was like all in on Jerko against Virginia. He gets scratched right before I just pivot away from that and you went and just plugged in gross solo through for like 500 yards so like the, i mean one of the the important question so assuming you catch the scratch right which i mean is always not necessarily variable but i mean with cs cfb dfs you Anything, have, if you're yeah, playing yeah. it you need to kind of you need to know that this is a possibility um so when i'm at the park with my daughter uh at during the morning, like you got to have your notifications set up or just be plugged in some way that actually alerts you for when these, when these things come to pass. And then I think, I mean, it, 
the smart way probably to think about it is well do i do i pivot to that guy's backup do i look to just um take players that surround him that might get bumped up right or do i just move away altogether um and relative to timing i mean rule number one needs to be that guy just needs to get out of your lineup immediately like and if you're if you're at the threshold of when the game kicks off and just kick the can down a road on a site that actually has multiple uh multiple windows in it and just like zoom out take a step back and be like okay i can figure this out within the context of that next window and the time that i have um but i mean i think their the approach probably at that time needs to be less about what you actually think is going to happen from a performance perspective and where you can potentially get more leverage relative to what more people or most people are going to actually do right because you can usually pick up what the the sense in the room is going to be like if there's a if there's a, a badass backup that can come in for that guy or um, maybe it was a 1a 1b receiver scenario everybody's going to pivot to the 1b guy now with that one 1a out and stuff like that so i mean i i'm such a sucker in a lot of ways like i'll just do if, if i like a player everyone else might like him as well and i'll just plug that guy in um but i mean i feel like it, this the smarter thing to do in that sense is th- make it less about the skill of the the pieces and where you can get more leverage but i mean i'm not i'm not the best at that yeah i think it's it's hard because i think that there's always some different that one-off situation that makes it like everything unique but like ultimately you we typically know like if someone's kind of questionable if they're going to play or not so a lot of times what we'll do before the slate starts is like recognize and hope for like a you know if it's a 330 game play it as is and then just make sure we have like a pivot you know if it's as simple as a quarterback or a running back and throwing in the backup that could help Uh, but then you leave salary on the table typically Um, or if it's just like a pivot to another team another option you like you can just then insert more of them into your lineup but you know if you think about it right we talk all the time about like redraft and best balls and all this dynasty stuff of like you just follow the offensive coordinator and just keep drafting that guy's quarterback or the receiver or whatever. Right. So like theoretically the guy behind him should like still be in that same good situation, same high, to- like we're typically targeting high totals and tighter spreads in a sense. So like, why would that backup be it? You know, I think a couple of years ago there was a slate where like the UCF got like Jalen Robinson and, somebody else were hurt. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, I plugged in Jacob Harris, which like meant I left a lot of money on the table, but all the, you know, he's a UCF number one receiver with Dylan Gabriel or whoever the quarterback was at the time. It's hard not to produce in that situation. So I would always just say like, make sure you have a pivot beforehand. Also, like if you know a guy is super questionable, like try to limit your usage of them. Right. Like, especially right. If your pivot is, going to be 50 60 percent owned in your lineups you're not going to have a good like you're not going to be able to swap them into those lineups that have this guy that's questionable so think about that too you could even go as far as saying like pre-game stuff you could build and save a an export like i think one time i did it with like kyle pitts it was like this is what i'm going to play if kyle pitts is playing this is what i'm going to play if he's not playing so like you never know. I think last year was pretty mild in terms of like late, like scratches. Thank God, but the year before it was just nonstop with COVID and everything too. 
But and a lot of times you can't even predict it. I remember Marcus Stevenson one time just shows up with sweatpants on, and you're just like, <laughs> "Sweet man!" Like I wish somebody would have said something. But. Is that your favorite one? Because my favorite one is. Do you remember two years when CD Lamb was still in school against Baylor? He gets concussed the game before, and I'm watching the pregame, and I'm I've got like I'm so stoked for the night slate because that's usually when I play because like I know I'm gonna be such an awful person, in such a terrible mood if I'm doing DFS during the day. Like I'm just gonna be miserable, and I'm gonna make everyone around me miserable. So, <laughs> like I, I'll, I'm more of a night slate guy for that reason. And I, I get all my ducks in a row. I'm ready to go. Like CD was questionable coming in, and he right before lock. Like it's a big ABC game. So they're doing like, they give you like an extra preview beforehand. Like they're showing players around the field and CD runs up to the camera and he's jumping around. He says, he says, I'm playing, let's go. Like I'm playing. And then he doesn't play. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't remember that one, to be honest. Stevenson was just baffling. And then the, uh, the one I'll never forget, and this is kind of not the same, but it was two years ago or two bowl seasons ago, and it was um, – who's the receiver that's now on the Ravens? The uh, Oklahoma State receiver. Aitman? No, it's – who's the, the – oh, the Oklahoma State receiver that at half just stopped playing. Like he had a great first half. And just, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, Tyler Wallace. And he's like, we had a great first half. We had a ton of them because of the matchup. And then he just doesn't come out for the second half. (laughs) And we're like, this is like literally the worst thing to do if you're going to the draft. You either play or you don't play. Like, what's the point of playing one half? When him and Trask did that last bowl season, that like that stuck with me so much for this bowl season. I don't think we saw it at all this year, but I, like I kept, I kept thinking like, okay, is the senior going to pull the Trask and Thailand move where they just like play a half and just dip out? It was that's the, the <laughs> two years ago bowl season was just the worst. But yeah, to kind of fully bring it back full circle, like bring your pivots into play and make sure you're aware of them, um, and then. I mean, just replace them with the backup typically, right? Because you're not you're not grabbing Michigan quarterbacks, right? Like if you're playing Cade McNamara and he's not playing, like why would you why would you care? Like that's not a great quarterback situation. So don't play JJ McCarthy. Just find another quarterback at that rate. But with, yeah. so you are saying I think I would typically just replace with the with the backup. If you have enough time it's great to like go in and diagnose. One thing I'll do is I'll replace with a guy I like. And even if it's like saving me, like I now have a ton of money left over, I'll then scroll through and find lineups with extra money left over and kind of tinker with them manually. But like you kind of mentioned first, like you just got to get a replacement in a lot of times you have like two, three minutes. So get your replacement in and then go. All right. So I want to move on to another question that was, given to you um i was reading through some of the responses unless you had something to add to that andrew i did but this okay, go, go for it well i think it i think it's interesting thinking about like during the summer during the spring during the winter we're doing all this research right and like for season long it makes a ton of sense um in from a preparation standpoint because like um what how it's going to actually impact you but the, i i think i think a decent amount also i'm like well is this going to actually impact me positively in any way from a dfs perspective and i think without a doubt like the first few weeks that's when i have my biggest edge just because i have so much more information like at my fingertips than most other players um like my edge goes down as more data becomes available uh for everyone else and like my number numbers bear that out as well but 
what Chris talked to, like, is making me think about this as well. Like, preparation preparation breeds dynam dynamism. So in that moment, in those moments, in those few minutes where you have to make a very important calculation that will probably tip you from red red to green, um, what are you going to do? Go research a, a depth chart from the ground up. That uh, like give that I think that be, having all that information banked up, right? That from uh, all that time that you put in going in like that, it, that that is important when it, you have to make those pivotal uh, make those pivotal decisions on a DFS slate, and not even thinking about all the preparation you put in the in the seasons leading up to college football, but intro week as well. What you're saying, Chris, with respect to like kind of thinking about um, understanding what the key points you might want to pivot in, pivot out of during a DFS slate as it gets close to kickoff. I think that's, that's interesting as well. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, so we'll move on to another one of the questions that I actually found pretty interesting. So I don't play the DFS. So this one, I have no input, but better DFS showdown strategy, always captain your highest projected player, regardless of price and punt the one through three other spots or captain and average player and no punts so i was this is the first year i've ever done it but i kept track of how i performed in each slate and i broke it down to showdown main nights and small and small is just basically like any slate that was not main or night that was like four or five games so that could be like a two or three gamer even on like a wednesday or thursday with maxion or like a friday four gamer showdowns i did my best and it's just because I won a couple like smaller tournaments that boosted it, and then all I didn't play it as much as I probably should have at the end of the year, but oh well. Um, generally speaking, showdowns the most important thing to do is to group, or if you're playing a couple random lineups, just hand building, like you have to build out like the game theory of what's going to happen and what's possible. You can't you can't roster or um, captain the running back of a spread out team or whatever type of team and then have the quarterback and two receivers unless they win like 49 to zero that's not going to happen because then you're ultimately you got to you're cannibalizing if the running back's going to go crazy especially if he's on the more expensive side it doesn't make sense to have the quarterback and two receivers so like think about it like if you're playing the receiver almost always play the quarterback you know don't necessarily play the running back don't you know if you have a star receiver at uh, captain do the quarterback and don't do more than one receiver unless someone is like super cheap um it gets tricky because you have like i remember louisiana you know i can't remember who it was but they had you you don't rare you rarely roster three running backs why would you roster three running backs <laughs> and it actually won this late was rostering you know emily bailey or Amani Bailey, uh, Montreal Johnson, and Chris Smith. And I even think Levi Lewis was the fourth guy. But just make sure that, that it makes sense. To get back to, I think that was Corey's question. Yeah. Um, I would lean the latter. I don't like punting more than one guy for one. And I don't have any issue going like a mid-range receiver because typically receivers can have such high upside that you can save a little bit of money and have like a huge game, right? Like it's hard to stop a 60 point captain attack. I don't, I don't do actual projections, but I feel like I lean more towards like I'll group the highest, 
highest projected player slash my favorite player that I like. I'll if I open up a showdown uh, contest and just kind of think about the game and kind of come to a conclusion on the player that I think is going to go off on that slate. Like, all right, so high, highest projected player slash that conclusion that I want to kind of throw into my captain slot like that. That's more more my vibe, but. Outside of when I'm on a total D- CFB DFS bender, where I'm literally playing every slating and pop- totally committed to it, like I, I feel like I want to be throwing together a lineup that has the player that I want to get into the captain slot, and then likely what I'm going to need to do right is find um, at least one lower priced guy in there. But for me to re- feel really good about the slate, like. Once you, for some of these slow showdown slates, right? You start you start digging into the depth chart. You start digging on Twitter to like find out who some of these guys who are listed as starters or potentially going to plug in. And you just get so far into this this warp rabbit hole that you convince yourself that these this guy who's maybe played like six snaps all year is actually going to have a prominent role in this offense. And I feel like that's when my showdown game just goes into the trash because I'll buy into all this garbage. But like the the slates where I'm most effective is where the guy I want to get into the captain, the catbird seat, I actually get him in there. And then I actually have a, a an actual good vibe on like one, uh, on like a, a lower per, price guy or two that maybe hasn't popped off yet, but like, I liked him coming into the year, he's ramping up or obviously like when guys are underpriced due to injury and stuff like that, that, that obviously makes it easier too, but the herd's going to drive towards that as well. But I don't know. That's, that's the, the slates that I feel like I usually do better on the the thing where like the, the other version of showdown slates where I just feel my feel like I just light money on fire is when I just end up kind of playing a lot of guys in the like the middle if I if I'm throwing a kicker or two in there because like I can't make a decision and like the price point works like I feel like maybe that works for some people but it it just it it ends up with like my my the worst version of my lineups and the worst version of myself where I'm like I've got like the kicker's putting up like six points. I've got another low low uh, price guy who's just gonna do trash. My captain, it because of my uh, my lineup overall is like six viable people, quote unquote. My captain is also maybe not the highest projected player, and it's just a lineup that's maybe like 40, 50th percentile. Yeah, I would also add, don't ever use two kickers. The same lineup. I, I'm really, I'm trying to. I mean, it's not smart, but like, I'm, I've almost permanently banned myself from playing kickers altogether in showdown. Like, I don't I, like, I don't like playing them. They're not typically cheap enough. In like, right. they'd have to almost have like three, four like field goals. And what kicker in college is that? Yeah, reliable? of course. I mean, I I went into the the natty slate and told myself zero kickers. You're not doing it in any scenario. And of course, the first five <laughs> scores are all field goals. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I'm going to kind of put you guys on the spot here with this other question. Um, Favorite stack you're digging so far in the early stages of the 2022 season? That's from CFF University. Go ahead, Brandon. Or uh, Andrew. Brandon. I don't don't even want to know what you were were just almost called me. But I'm stealing this one. In, in the sense that I, I think I saw Corey tweeted out like months ago, but it resonates with me because these I love these players so much. But Chevin Cordero, Elijah Cooks, Justin Lockhart is like, I think I I took Chevin at his earliest in best ball so far in the 12th round, and I don't think he's gone there in any of the other two. 
I took, I've taken Elijah Cooks at his earliest as well. I think I took him like 12th, 13th, and now I just got him in the 18th in this one. And I'm the only person who's taken Lockhart, and I've taken him because I've just I had I knew I had other things to do at the back end of the draft, so I just I took him in like the 27th, 28th round. But I mean, I think they are wide receivers one and two. Like the San Jose State last year, their passing game. Like they, outside of these, the, there was nothing representative of a pass catcher on that team. They still tried to th- chuck it around a little bit with Starkle, but it, it just couldn't work because they, they, there was no one for him to throw it to. Um, I think we see the offense this year get back to what it looked like when it was Starkle, Gauthier, and Trey Walker, and it's going to be fun like that. Like, like there, There's no way Elijah Cooks can go down for a season-ending injury for a third year in a row. He's better than Romeo Dubs. He's always been better than Romeo Dubs. And this year he's going to put up at least 1,200 yards. Lockhart's going to go for 810 scores as well. And it's, it's going to pop off in San Jose. The flag has been planted in San Jose. <laughs> uh, of course, we have to have at least one Mountain West team. I'm gonna, I'll take like a cop-out easy one. And I wasn't necessarily even thinking best ball until just a second ago. I mean, like Tennessee, it's hard not to love like Hooker and Tillman. You're paying a lot, but like the upside, I mean, you saw their final weeks were insane. Um, and I think Hooker gives you an insane, highly floor, or insanely high floor. Uh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like a Bryce Young with Burton, I think that's a little bit cheaper, but I don't think the upside's as high. I think that makes more sense in like a DFS standpoint where you're probably going to get Burton or whoever you think is that guy cheaper than, than usual. And you're going to see like a high usage towards that receiver, whoever wins it. I'm not in on like Caleb Williams with any receiver, unless you're picking a like Taj Washington at the end type of, of stack. Um, I don't see any, like the typicals are interesting. Like the old miss is, the Oklahoma is like, I just am not sold on Marvin. Not that I'm not sold on Marvin Mims, but like, him and Gabriel is a pretty expensive, unproven, odd like stack. So I would say like I think Hooker and Tillman's the one that I think has really been the most interesting to me so far. That's fair. Um, we got a few other questions, but I want to go ahead and move on to the finale. Um, so, do either one of you guys want to introduce her? Do you want me to go ahead and? You can have the honors. You haven't had a chance to say much. Okay, so I'll give you credit, Andrew. Andrew came up with this idea that um, we wanted to compile a list of all the team's spring practices, when they're practicing, when their spring games are. Um, But that's a lot of information to, to dig up. And we've created a spreadsheet. I'm going to share my screen for the people that are watching um hold on just one second uh make sure i can do this okay can you guys see that yep okay so for those that are watching we have um all the teams laid out and by conference you can sort by conference whatever and then you put the date that the spring practices begin right that how we did that yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So spring practices begin, like as you see, Cincinnati right here starts March 5th, and then their spring game we don't have yet. Um, if somebody has it, um, we are – oh, and we are sharing this with all of you so you can 
um, contribute. Use the use the cool coding word that probably isn't used properly. Open source. Open source, correct. It's an open source spreadsheet that we are going to allow all of you to contribute to. And then when you do contribute, you get credit here, the spring practice contributor to the spring game. So um, you guys got something to add to that? I just went back to that. But um, it's, like it's so, it's so funny thinking about how this is like, so it's, like, it's, how is this actually necessary? What do you but mean? It, it is. It, oh, like, yeah. it's, not something, it's not something that, like, so I'm, I've come across a, a few people today tweeting about the, the spring practices starting off for specific teams. Uh, I want that dude who used to run the NBC college football thing was tweeting about, like, a Big Ten article, I think, about spring practice games or uh, start dates or something like that. But, like, there's nothing at large, really, that talks about aggregating and creating any sort of actually actual reference to yeah. that I've seen. I, I mean, at this point, I'm hoping that there is nothing in that I didn't overlook since we're pocket committed at this point. And I think it's a cool opportunity for uh, us to all kind of work together and get something that would be beneficial for all of us. Yeah, uh, sure. It, I tried this with a depth chart thing like a few years ago, probably like five years ago now. And um, it works, but you got to have people that are willing to contribute. And it's not the same three people. I mean, this, I guess, is, this is fairly interesting, like easy though. Like yeah. that's a lot easier than depth chart. There's no yeah. bias towards it too, right? Like, right. So exactly. you could just literally Google it. You can just anytime yeah. you see it pop up, you can input it and then just put obviously like your Twitter handle for acknowledgement there. Um, and it's just nice add, like, notes out to the side, like a notes column, and then like say if there's something interesting that you caught. I was thinking a link column for like the reference for that, that. Where, where we actually pulled it from, but. Yeah, I will say what makes it like kind of nice to have is that nobody does the same dates like Michigan started last week and Arkansas and Auburn start in like two weeks. It would be really cool to get all the dates and then sort it and see like if there's a pattern of like who starts when, like if it's only you, only you care about this kind of shit. Though. Yeah, you're right. But I would like to see all of it sorted out and to see, like, okay, it's all, is it SEC all starts and then it's like Mountain West? Or is there a lot yeah. of overlap? I mean, you're going to have overlap, obviously. Dude, so I, some of the ones I've dug up so far, like the, like, like message board links with to other message board links to like a person, like, that's just on the internet somewhere. It's, and that's the best you can do as far as like, and it's the date, the, the source for the date was. Because he said so. We have no idea if it's true or not. We have yeah. no idea if if Cougar fan one two three four five six has any credibility for BYU's spring game. Yeah. Well, you know, it's gonna be funny looking at like these super small schools, right? Like New Mexico State. We always laugh about like how ridiculous that whole program is. I found Just that like, one easily though. They they were they were very good with their information dissemination via their their their, their college football Twitter account. So. Unlike Cincinnati, where the best I found was early March until I forget where I found it. It was like the, like this site that I was afraid to click this link uh, because like it just looked, <laughs> it looked so sketchy. But and like there was like grammatical errors all over the place. But it it said Mar March eighth, so I'm good with it. I will say the thrill of the chase sometimes oh, outweighs yeah. how degenerate. Oh, yeah. This is like me a couple of weeks ago when my buddy Amico is looking for college kid birthdays, like Tyler Algier. Like nobody could figure out his birth year. We all knew the date, but we didn't know the birth year. 
So like I spent like an hour doing it on like a Saturday. <laughs> and I mean, I was reading high school articles from like 2017, but it's the thrill of the chase to get the completion of that. Data. I, could, I could see Chris like, okay, if he was, he was 18 in 2017. Then, okay. Was it? I could just see him just counting it out. Oh, he's gotta be. <laughs> I was, I, I, I ended up finding it because I found I was like I gotta find a 21st birthday shout out. So then I found him on Facebook oh, and no. I found a post where someone was like happy birthday and then I kept looking through the comments and someone was like happy 21 and I was like I got him. This this but, is yeah. this is like this is like stuff I do. Chris. I yeah, haven't I have a bad track. I've D I have not DM'd, but I've tweeted moms of players trying to figure out if someone's healthy. Of course, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do for showdown slates and stuff like that. But it's like you guys yeah. remember when Marcus Cox from App State, I'm sure you guys remember the whole yeah. <laughs> yeah. App State family thing I had going on there for a while. Like I became a part of the App State fandom that year because I tweeted every time I tweeted anything about Marcus Cox or I put an article out about him, like his mom would retweet and it was just all the App State hive came through and. App State family. Who's, App State who's, who's the Temple running back whose dad is just like ferocious on Twitter? He's a, it's the Vandy dude from Temple. That's the Vandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which Raymond one is that? Davis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guy is nonstop. And there's, I remember my 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 personal favorite was Sean Shivers, which is like a friendly fire because I'm like they said he was going to start a running back and I'm like yeah dude no way like not possible. And he like tweeted back at me, and I'm like, "Oh shoot! Like, I gotta." It's always good the the circling back and like the stepping back of it, be like, "Oh my bad! Like, I meant this and this. Good luck, you know." Like, coward. <laughs> but we've all been there. Nice. Well, I think that's where we can kind of end this one. Right, it was a little late start tonight, but um, we got a good 45 minutes in and uh, covered a lot actually. So um, we will be tweeting out the link to the spreadsheet for anyone to edit and add their um if you're you know when your school's date is feel free to post and add it to there and um that should be about it uh, unless you guys got something else that's it i'm good right. so hopefully next monday and monday seems to be our day so um we're going to shoot for every monday moving forward so till then have a good night see you guys Later. Later.